Um, a year and a half into being sober, I finally stopped questioning whether I really had a problem that I really couldn't control. I just gave in. I surrendered. Um, I felt a wave of peace once I finally accepted it. Just stopping, you know, I finally just stopped fighting what I knew to be true. And, you know, the ironic thing is that as soon as I accepted my powerlessness, I felt empowered. That was Sasha Tazi, and this is The Share Podcast. It's time for The Share Recovery Podcast, where we bring you amazing life-changing success stories from addicts and alcoholics all over the world who share their inspiring journey in recovery. And now, here's your host, Oh. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Share Podcast. And today we have Sasha Tazi joining us on the show. And Sasha is a recovery lifestyle coach, a Y12SR, which is yoga for 12-step recovery instructor, a Reiki practitioner, and a writer. She also helps individuals with physical and emotional sobriety, self-sabotage, and codependent relationships. But Sasha wasn't always a recovery rock star. As a teenager, Sasha suffered from clinical depression and social anxiety. When she found alcohol, she thought it was the answer to all of her problems. Later, she coupled the drinking with cocaine use, which led to blackouts, reckless behavior, and a shame cycle she could not escape. Sasha eventually hits rock bottom and her journey into recovery begins. And it's in her journey of discovery that she finds out that she has deeper problems with food and codependencies underneath it all. I absolutely loved this episode with Sasha. We go through all the different facets of her life, how she battled through it, and how she now helps other people do the same. So let's dive into Sasha's story. But first, a quick message from our sponsor. Organifi is an organic superfood supplement that takes 30 seconds to make with no blending, no juicing, and no cleanup. Organifi is a coconut and ashwagandha-infused green juice that is gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, vegan, and absolutely delicious. My wife and I drink it every single day. We absolutely love it. We've noticed a significant difference in reduced stress, in improved digestion, improved mental clarity, and it boosts our energy levels. So not only is it organic and upgraded with 11 superfoods, if you order now, you're going to get 20% off your order by using promo code SHARE, S-H-A-I-R. So go to the Organifi website, www.organifi.com. Organifi is spelled O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I. And make sure to put in your promo code SHARE, S-H-A-I-R, and get 20% off your order today. And for those of you who are wondering what's the best way to support the show, well, here's a few options. Number one, you can always donate to the SHARE podcast. And the easiest way to donate to the show is by going to the website, www.thesharepodcast.com. Go to the top right corner of the website, click on the donate button, or on any of the yellow donate buttons throughout the page. And there you can donate via PayPal, Patreon, or Bitcoin. All of your donations will go exclusively towards covering the production costs for the Share Podcast. And all those production costs are listed on the donation page, as well as all the information you need to know to make your donation today. The second way to help support the show is by subscribing on iTunes if you have an iPhone or on Stitcher Radio or any other podcast-related app for your Android phone. 
When you subscribe to the show, it helps boost the ratings for the show as well as the show's ranking on those platforms and will make it so much easier for anyone seeking a recovery-related podcast to find the show. And while you're there, please feel free to give us a five-star rating and review. It's another spectacular way to support the show. And I also love reading those reviews at the beginning of each episode. And speaking of reviews, I've got a great one here from Jen. And Jen is from Australia. And she writes, or the title is, Life-Changing Podcast. In the review, she writes, I'm on day three of sobriety and have attended two AA meetings. And so much of this is thanks to O and the Share Podcast. I listen to them daily and I'm learning so much. I'm also part of the online support group, which I cannot rate highly enough. Thanks, O, and all your podcast interviewees. Keep up the great work and thanks for everything. Jen, Australia. Jen, thank you so much. And thank you for being such an active participant in the Share Podcast Private Accountability Group. That's the online support group that Jen is referring to in the review. What I'm finding is that so many listeners that join in on the Facebook private group are starting to see just how attractive and accessible recovery really is if you just give it a chance. If you just take that first step towards recovery, you can see how your life can be so much better and that there really is a better way to live. So Jen, thank you so much for that beautiful review and for being such an active member in the private Facebook group. And the third way to help support the Share Podcast is to share the podcast with your friends. If you love the Share Podcast, if you're getting value from the episodes, then share them on your social media network, share them with your friends at meetings, and help us spread that message of hope and recovery. And while you're recommending the podcast, also make sure to invite your friends to join us on the Share Podcast Facebook private group. There are thousands of recovering addicts that are positive, helpful, and being of service. So if you're not ready to go to meetings or you need an addition to your meetings, then this is a perfect place to get support and be of service. So go to Facebook, type in S-H-A-I-R in the search bar, share a private group, and the private Facebook group will pop right up. Now a quick message from Transitions Daily and then on to the show. Would you like to join a free, anonymous online group that offers a daily topic email with popular recovery resources accompanied by a secret Facebook group for discussion? Then go to dailyaaemails.com for more information about Transitions Daily. And don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends, in meetings, and with sponsees in recovery. Hey, Sasha, thanks for joining us. Hey, oh, thanks for having me. I'm very excited to have you on the show today. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. Um, beautiful day here in D.C. and I'm happy to be talking to you right now. Oh, that's exciting. I love it. All right. So, folks, today we have Sasha Tazi joining us on the Share Podcast. And Sasha is a recovery lifestyle coach, a Y12SR yoga instructor. For those of you that don't know, Y12SR is yoga for 12-step recovery. She's also a writer. She helps individuals with physical and emotional sobriety, self-sabotage, and codependent relationships. That sound about right, Sasha? Yeah, that's right. All right. So let's dive right in. So first of all, tell us a little bit about what your normal daily routine looks like, including recovery. So my normal daily routine, I really um, thrive off of having a routine and a structure. And because 
I'm self-employed with my own coaching business, um, it's important for me to really cultivate the discipline to, to keep that. And so I value my, um, the different things that help me have structure. So like, um, I keep a pretty strict sleep, sleep schedule and going to bed at the same time and waking up at the same time every, every day. And in the morning, I, um, I do my daily readers in the morning to kind of like welcome the day and, um, we'll usually say a little prayer. And then, um, depending on the day, I sometimes can go to yoga in the morning or, and and do my yoga practice, or like I'll start with clients early or something that I need to do with, um, the back end of my business and like kind of content, more content work or admin work. Um, so it's very different every day, but the things that stay the same are, um, that I make time every day for exercise and, and, um, my quiet reflective life and also eating like three regular meals. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that's super important for me. Uh, just keeping my like energy level and my mood and my just everything kind of stable. Like I, like I get hangry really quickly. So like <laughs> it, it, it will be bad. Like, I mean, so, you know, and then, and then sometimes I have a meeting thrown in. So I'll go to like a lunchtime meeting, 12 step meeting or, um, a meeting in the evening. So it really depends on the day, but like, so it'll vary a little bit, but all of those things are a regular part of my week. Beautiful, beautiful. I love that term, hangry. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife and I adopted that a long time ago, um, you know, and we remind ourselves of it, you know, whenever it's coming up. I'm starting to get a little hangry here. Yeah. So we better get some food in our systems fast. <laughs> you know, this could go south real, real quick. Um, <laughs> it sounds as though because you're self-employed, it's, it's paramount to be disciplined and structured basically all the time. I mean, I would say like, that, um, it's just like easier to kind of get into, you know how they say idle time is the devil's play thing. Yes. That quote, uh, it, it's easier to kind of fall into like morbid thoughts or, or rumination or just kind of ways of thinking or behaviors that don't serve you when there's like, for me now I answer to myself. So it just can be a little more challenging to like, rely on yourself for like all your motivation and all your, um, all, all your time management. Right. Cause like, you know, God is my employer, but <laughs> I am my employer too. So like, you know, when I was an employee for, at, at an organization, like I was a really good employee because I wanted to please the boss and I, um, you know, just, I was like a good worker, but I found that even though I have a good work ethic still, it's, it it can be just a little more difficult to like keep that momentum going when you don't have to answer to anyone per se. I understand completely. But that's something that I'm sure you have to help people out as a life coach. Uh, There's certain people that are doing the same thing. They're working for themselves and they need that. They're, that's exactly where they're at, right? Like I work for myself and I need more structure, more discipline. And that's something that I'm sure you work with people on, correct? 
for sure. I mean, definitely time management techniques and just stress management and mm-hmm. just how to plan out your life, how to plan out your meals, how to how to fit exercise in, like all of those things, how to, you know, most people are so busy and don't have time to do all the things they want to do. But so it, it's about like reprioritizing their lives and what is a priority and let's see how we can arrange your life so that it supports your priorities. So definitely. And, and that's the cool thing about coaching is that the part that one of the, one of the reasons I love it is because it, it helps me to help, help people through some of these issues. It it helps me even tighten up my structure even more. So Uh it's just amazing little like exchange. (laughs) Well, I think, I think a lot of it has to do similarly with being a sponsor and being a sponsee when you're sponsoring somebody and you're guiding them through whatever event they're going through or whatever part of the steps they're going through as you walk them through it you start to reflect or you start to look at your own life and go hmm i'm giving this suggestion out i should probably practice that a little bit more so it's a fine-tuning element exactly exactly that's cool. It's very cool. I, I I can dig it. I think that's that's the next phase of for me, uh, life coaching. You know, I I do these interviews and you know I've been in recovery for fourteen years and and I'm constantly coaching people right as a as a mentor as a sponsor. So I think that's the next logical step for me. You know, it it's it feels it feels like the right move. <laughs> if it feels right, then go for it. Move into it. So then. I, I, a, a very important element in our sobriety is that spiritual condition, that conscious contact with our higher power. Uh, you pray, you meditate. What does that look like on a, on a daily basis, and how how important is that in your recovery? It's very important. Uh, most of the meetings that I go to are eleventh step meetings, so we do meditation in the meeting. So it's really really nice, and that was more or less my introduction to. Well, I would say yoga kind of introduced me to meditation, but I love having the meetings as like a a way to practice conscious contact with a group. But individually speaking, um, I did mention my daily readers. So that's something I do every morning and it, it really centers me for the day and puts me in alignment with like my spiritual self. And the ones that I read are both by Melody Beattie, who I recommend her so often. You would think that I like am an affiliate or something, but (laughs) but I'm not because like I (laughs) recommend her to like everyone I meet, like even if they're not in recovery. (laughs) But um, the ones I read are Journey to the Heart. She speaks recovery language, but it's it's really for anyone and then anyone who wants to live a more heart centered life. And then the other one is the language of letting go. And it's it's actually uh, meditations, daily meditations for codependency. But um, that is something that I was revealed to me after I had gotten sober. So it's something that really helps me um, address that codependent piece. And then uh, I have quiet, reflective time at night. And I take baths a lot. And that's, that's a place that I do that quiet reflection. So you know, meditation is a word that barks different things to different people. And so one of the ways that I just like infuse meditation throughout the day is just to be mindful, right? So like, just to pay attention to what I'm doing when I'm doing it. So 
I try to live my life like that as much as possible. So I do sitting meditation, really short ones. I also just try and be present. But I like starting my day and ending my day with like some kind of connection, the readers, prayer, quiet time. I see them as like, I call them spiritual bookends because it's a really nice way to like greet the day. And then it's a really nice way to close off the day. And I noticed that when I have a good morning, I usually have a good day. Of course, you can restart the day at any time. But, but you know, setting yourself up for a, a positive day really starts with a morning routine. And so that morning stuff is really just instrumental to keeping in line with my authentic self throughout the day. Um, and I actually recently just started doing the morning pages, which is Mm. the artist way. So I'm really loving that a lot. And I had a lot of resistance to doing it. Um, but it's a wonderful, I only just started, but it is a wonderful little program. Yes, yes, absolutely. And these are things that have been recommended before. Uh, Melody Beattie's been brought up a few times, The Language of Letting Go, specifically that book, um, those daily reflections. Um, And then The Artist's Way uh, with the morning pages. Uh, My wife does that, as a matter of fact. And these these are things that I think that are super important, especially for people in early recovery, because they're, they're going off the walls. They're like bonkers and bananas, and they need grounding. And you know, meditation and prayer and rituals help you stay grounded. Uh, that's why you know, regular meeting attendance is so important. So um, that's, that's great. And that's really basically what I wanted to, or why I asked the question, right? Like, what's your daily routine like? Because we need that. I think it's so important early in recovery that you have something that you can count on. You know, this is what I'm going to do tomorrow. And if I don't do anything else, at least I can count on doing this. That morning, setting yourself for a positive morning experience is, is typically going to launch your day. So I love it. Yeah, totally. And it helps to hear what other people do for their routine because it gives you ideas and kind of makes you see just different ways that you can tweak your own routine or whatever. It just helps to hear um, specifics. What do people actually do and how do they organize their day? (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the whole purpose of doing Mm -hmm. this, right? People listen and then they go and they get the books and they read the books and they get all the same benefits. I mean, that's why we do this, you know, to get that, you know, to get these tips and to get these little tweaks to our recovery. So, all right. So tell us, Sasha, how much clean time do you have and when is your anniversary date? So I have uh, over five years. I, I have almost six years, but I obviously can't say that yet. But September 2nd, 2011 was when I got sober and clean, the funny thing about that date is that like, I wasn't planning on sticking with it. So I really, it's technically the end of August of 2011, but I never took note of the date. So once I was sober for a couple of months and I was like, this, this sobriety thing is kind of cool. I might stay with it. (laughs) I was like, I should write down the day that I started. And just to be safe, I, I picked September 2nd and I thought it was like really cool because it, it wasn't the first and <laughs> it wasn't, you know, the ty- a typical date. So I just I picked that and I liked it. And I'm not trying to like oversimplify the whole thing of getting sober. But when I when I started, I 
I really wasn't planning on sticking with it. And I, I wasn't, well, we can get to this later, but I didn't necessarily have a, a, a low rock bottom. So there was nothing like, there was nothing incentive wise to really keep me sober until I realized that I couldn't go back. I got it. I got you. I got you. All right. Well, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that. So, so first of all, real quick, before we dive into your story, I always like to ask how old you were the first time you drank or used drugs and more importantly, how did they make you feel? Yeah, I think I was 14. Uh, I was a rising freshman in high school and I wanted to feel comfortable in my skin, confident, secure. And that's what it did for me. It made me feel like that. And, um, so I liked it instantly because of that. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, so you're warmed up, so it's time for me to turn this show over to you. It's time for you to share your story, the battle against drugs and alcohol, the wreckage it caused in your life, when you hit rock bottom, and then finally your journey into recovery up until today. So Sasha, please take it away. Sure. So um, let's see. So as I said, I um, had my first drink when I was 14, and a lot of a lot of the allure for me at that time was to soothe my like social anxiety. I had, I had pretty significant social anxiety and just shyness. So in order to kind of like make friends and be social and, and, um, fit in, I guess I discovered alcohol would get me there. And so like, I loved it. And I relied on it immediately to kind of get me to do what I wanted to do, um, which was just to sometimes just talk to people. I couldn't talk to people without that buffer, without that liquid courage. And it was it was pretty, you know, it it inhibits everyone's behavior um, or it reduces your inhibitions. But for me, it was very... Um, extreme opposite. Like I was like super, super shy, sensitive kid, um, who people thought was mute. And then when I drank, I was like the life of the party and I got all this attention. And like, I really started to thrive off of that. Like my, my ego loved it because I, um, especially with guys, like, and I've heard this being kind of a sub theme of a lot of women's stories where, you know, the, um, the word I'm thinking of, like the connection between drinking and drugs and men for women is like really, really strong. And it was for me. And so I basically used it to, to be able to talk to guys. And, uh, I would say like, and I was a really good student in high school. I was really like, just a good girl, like kind of a perfectionist and straight A's. And, um, I was captain of tennis team and I was, um, editor of the yearbook and I got really depressed my senior year of high school. I, I, uh, had been battling like clinical depression since I was a freshman and I was seeing a therapist for it. And I was, um, I think they had put me on medications. Uh, but 
it was still bad and I was having a lot of trouble just like going to school, just like making it to class and fulfilling all my duties and obligations. And I wasn't part, I wasn't partying and drinking a lot on the weekends. I would binge drink sometimes. So I was still like, I was kind of like the on off, just binge drink. And I would, I never really saw a problem with that because in my age group, that's sort of what people did. And especially like I was going to be approaching college and that's really what you did in college. I mean, you didn't question it. It was just like, you know, the culture. Let's see. I uh, went off to college. I almost didn't graduate from high school because I, um, like I said, I, I got like severely depressed. And um, But I did. I ended up graduating and I went off to college kind of unsure of myself. And, you know, when I was there, I didn't, I didn't drink at all because I didn't go out. So I just isolated. I didn't make any friends. Uh, my only friends were my um, sweet mates. And my roommate, me and my roommate didn't really get along. And she was like, never home. So I basically just did my work and kind of was a loner. I ended up leaving college after the semester and just taking a leave of absence and coming back home and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. So I, then I transferred to another college and at that college I got introduced to cocaine Mm. and I got addicted to that immediately. And I just, I loved it so much because I was always a big fan of like the uppers and never really liked pot or anything. I didn't even ever try like um, a lot of the other drugs. I I just liked alcohol and cocaine and like alcohol kind of made me manic and I liked it because like I felt on top of the world. I felt energetic and uh, coke did the same thing. And so I got like I got very addicted very quick and I failed out of college and um, my friends called my parents or called my friend other friends and kind of told them that I was like in a really bad way and and just to watch out <laughs> and um, my my parents like kind of pulled me out of school and I came back home again so then after that I was living at the beach And this was like a a beach that we'd been going to as a family since I was little. So it was like a second home. And I got a job at a restaurant and I started waiting tables and I got into the whole restaurant industry late night partying. And I was like 19 or 20 and um, I was making pretty good money. Like I was waiting tables at a nice restaurant, selling wine by the bottle kind of really trying like learning a lot about food and trip and beverage and the whole um, sales industry of restaurants. And of course, with that comes like a lot of late night partying. And I just got wrapped up in it. And I still did my job. But I, again, got really addicted to coke. And, and my work called my sister and my mom and they staged an intervention on me and um cuz like i had i was doing some really stupid stuff and and every time i would drink i would get blackout drunk i would always get coke and drink at the same time so it sort of made the 
you know, it sort of like reduces the effect of alcohol, but your body doesn't really know that. And so I was just acting like a lunatic and totally reckless and, um, on, on drugs and alcohol. And I was driving drunk. I somehow never got a DUI. I don't know how that happened. I just didn't. And, um, I like almost died a few times though. Like I, one day, one night I was trying to get more drugs from this guy's room that I liked who I had a crush on. And I like climbed the outside of his house <laughs> to try to get in his window. And I was like, it was like a beach house. So there were all these like balconies and, you know, wooden surfaces. And like, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to get in like, okay, so I went out there, like, wasted out of my mind. Yep. And when once I was out there, I realized, like, what an idiot I was because I wasn't able to pull myself back up. But I was too far from the ground. And I was like, oh, my God, what am I, <laughs> what am I going to do? And I just let go. And I fell to the ground, like, from the second story. And I fell onto um, – I fell onto sand – as the ground, sand and grass. But – I stayed there like I think I was unconscious and somebody a friend found me and I like couldn't walk for a few days and my work found out about it because like this was a very small beach town and and so that's when they kind of called my called my family and staged this intervention. I lost my job for two weeks and my my family kept me in captivity (laughs) like I I didn't go to rehab they kept me in their watch for and took away my phone for two weeks and I just like detoxed with them and and so after that I was like okay I need to just stop doing coke but I didn't I didn't think that alcohol was a problem for me still I just didn't I was 20 years old. I went to like three AA meetings down there and, oh, I'm forgetting something. So the the only bar in town where everybody went to party, I got kicked out of and like blacklisted for taking my clothes off and running around and, and just all being under and being underage, <laughs> minor detail. And, um, <laughs> oh, being drunk in the bar and being underage and thinking that was fine. And he told me the owner of the bar said, you're an alcoholic, go get help. And I was like, what? I'm 20 years old. And so I went to three meetings and I, I, I mean, they were fine. Like I just, I basically concluded that I, I couldn't have a real problem because I was too young. That's what I thought. And I had this idea of like alcoholism or alcoholics as, or addicts as people that had to do something every single day. And I wasn't really that kind of, I wasn't that kind of abuser. Like I could go a few days on, a few days off, a few days on, a few days off. But it never crossed my mind that like, blacking out or the fact that every time I drank, I couldn't control myself. I turned into a different person. I, uh, I could never just have like one drink. If I was going to drink, if I was going to drink, it was going to be like, you know, all or nothing, but that wasn't a conscious choice. Like I literally couldn't control myself. But at that time I didn't see that as an indication that I had a problem. I really and truly, Omar, I thought that 
if I could just try harder to control it, then I would be fine. And then it, it was like up to me and I needed to, I needed to try harder and just figure out how to, um, you know, exercise some self-restraint and, and discipline. Yeah. Discipline uh-huh. and willpower and all those things. I'm, I'm, I grew up Italian. I mean, I am still Italian, but like very Italian kind of minded family. And so it was a lot about, um, self-will and, and, and passion. And like, if you want to do it, you'll do it type of thing. And that's what was kind of engraved in my brain. Like, this is my decision. And if I can't control it, it's just about me not, not working hard enough or something. So anyway, so after, but it didn't stick. And I was 20 years old, went to a few meetings, didn't stick, went back, you know, out, just started drinking, but tried to not get in as much trouble so that people would kind of like leave me alone for a while. And I could prove that it wasn't like a big deal. Um, and that kind of worked for a little while. I mean, like I said, I'm really lucky that I'm alive and I'm really lucky. Well, I'm not lucky. I didn't get a DUI. I mean, I, I don't know that that's luck, but then it, maybe it would have helped, but I'm lucky I didn't kill anyone else. And, um, by the time I was 26, I, so I had gone back to, okay, I had gone back to college to finish college since I had dropped out and I wanted to go back. And, um, when I was 26, the summer of 2011, I had just turned 26 and I was about to finish be in my last year of college, finish my degree. And Every summer I was spending at this, at this beach, working the restaurant, working in the restaurant, partying and kind of it it being like, okay, all year I'm good. I'm a good student. I'm, and I was abusing other things during this time. Like when I wasn't drinking, I was like abusing food and very codependent and, you know, whatever else I could get my hands on. But in the summer times I was all out drinker. But this particular, this summer of 2011, I went back to school and I, I was seeing a therapist and I was just in there every week talking about how much shame I had about all the guys that I slept with that I couldn't remember, everything that I did that I, that wasn't really me, everything that I said that I was like just ashamed. I was just suffocating in shame and I didn't understand why I kept doing it. And, um, I, you know, would just sit in the therapist's office, just, just with my head down, sometimes hysterical, just at one point she just gave me an AA pamphlet and she, this therapist that I had, I really liked her. And I've had therapists since I was like 14 and kind of going regularly. And, um, I'm 31 now. But this therapist, she was like really smart and but really gentle. And she spoke to me in in metaphor. So I just trusted her opinion. And she didn't like tell me to go like she wasn't dominating in 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 the way that some people are. And that works for some people. She was just like gave me the pamphlet and was like, this might be a good idea. (laughs) 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 And like I got the message like. It was just the right time. I was in so much pain. Like, I would say that was my bottom moment of the constant aching of, 
I know what I'm doing is wrong and it, and I feel like a terrible person. I basically want to kill myself because like, I can't stop acting this way. I can't stop drinking and, and acting like, like I was a lot of times I was kind of like a, a mean drunk too. So that was, that was part of it. So I would have to like make all these amends the next day about things I didn't remember. Cause all these people would be mad at me. And like, it was so baffling to me because the things that people would tell me I didn't said, I could hardly believe it. And I know that some people think that like when you're drinking, the truth comes out. So that scared me even more like that. I actually thought these thoughts and I actually wanted to treat people this way. So I took her advice and I went to the one meeting that I saw. It was right on campus. So it was really convenient. And I went every Friday night. It was Friday night, actually in a room that I had a class in. And it was a speaker meeting. And so and it was a young it was a young person's meeting, I think, too. So the speaker spoke the whole time. It was one of those speaker meetings that they literally spoke like the whole hour. And um, I liked that because I didn't. That means I didn't have to really share. And (laughs) I was like, I'm going to this meeting and it just worked for me. And I started listening and I listened every week and. I just sat sat in and I listened and I liked hearing it's like the first place where people were so honest that I I couldn't believe it and I wanted more. I was scared and I wanted to keep going back because I was so um enamored by how honest these people were that I just needed to be around it and it was healing. It was like instantly healing. And it was the same kind of like instant effect that, you know, alcohol produced like instant relief. This was instant relief, you know, but much healthier, much more positive. Right. Yeah. And so I kept going back. And um, at 10 months in, I got a sponsor. I waited pretty long. Um, But, you know, I had one foot out the door for a long time wasn't think wasn't thinking I was going to stick with it like I said and after that I you know I was working the program and I was um meeting with my sponsor I still have the same sponsor to this day who is a remarkable woman and she's taught me like so so much about about the program and and about recovery but also about life and about um being a self-respecting woman and all of that so after I graduated, I moved back to the D.C. area where I grew up. And I was going to meetings and stuff, but I um, hated having to talk. So, again, that social anxiety stuff, which, you know, it's gotten a lot better, but progress, not perfection. <laughs> and I got really into yoga, and that helped a lot. Like, it helped my physical body heal, and um, it helped – immensely just me reconnect with myself because I think for those of us in addiction but definitely speaking for myself I totally was disconnected from my body especially as a woman who was um being hypersexual and not really aware of my value I kind of lost my connection to my body and my self-respect so yoga helped me so much. I can't tell you how much it was just like how integral it was 
just as much as AA in those early days. So like I was working a nine to five and if I couldn't make a meeting, I would go to yoga and they would kind of do the same thing for me. I use them interchangeably if I couldn't do both. I guess when I first got sober, I thought that that was my problem. And so if I could just get rid of my pro- this problem, this drinking drug problem and get sober, then like I'll be good. <laughs> yes, we've all had that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so like, no, that's not what happened. I was <laughs> naive. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it's just, you know, all the things come out that that were hot, that were being hidden by all of the drinking and drug use. And I didn't really know how to live life. I didn't know how to feel feelings. So I was using food to self-medicate in the same way. And I developed, you know, I was, I was seeing a therapist and like working my program as much as possible, but I had a lot of body image and I guess disordered eating patterns that I had to address in a more structured way. Like it was, it wasn't like terrible. It wasn't like so severe. I needed to be hospitalized, but it needed like its own program or its own focus. And so I ended up going to like, um, an IOP program for like women and, and eating disorders. And, um, so my problem was mainly binge eating and it was the same way that I used alcohol, like binge, don't binge, binge, don't binge. So I got help for that. I got, so I never went to like rehab for drugs and alcohol, but I went, but I went to rehab for food essentially. Um, and that was really awesome. It was really helpful. It, it helped me with some of the underlying, even underlying that, some of the anxiety and depression and just kind of, we did a lot of like DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy, where you can, they taught us to hold two opposite thoughts at once. So it was really helpful because I had this, you know, tendency to think in black and white terms. Mm -hmm. So then I had this, like, I, I wanted to do something in my life where I, it had become such a big part of my life, recovery, thinking about it, studying it. Um, and I wanted to do something that like, I wanted to make it more part of my life, like make it my work and make it my, like, it felt like my life's purpose was to share more. And so I got my, I got my yoga teacher certification. I got my coaching certification. Then I did the Y12SR cert, cert. Then I did a Reiki cert and like launched the blog and launched the business and like just got out there as somebody, uh, that wanted to talk more about this and, be a voice for what is possible and like how I've overcome like a lot of stigma, you know, and like what, because we all have this idea of like what addiction looks like or what overdose looks like or what addicts look like or rock bottom. Right. And so coming out was a a step to kind of a step in the direction of defying stereotypes, because like when you look at me, and this is like everyone. I mean, you go to a, any meeting, an A meeting or something in like a diverse area, and it's people from all walks of life, but there's still stereotypes that it's this like one kind of person or this one look. 
so that's been really rewarding this kind of making it I don't know where like my life ends and my career begins it's all just kind of blended and so it feels really uh on purpose I guess and oh and I but I forgot the codependency piece so like I guess two years ago two years ago I hit like an emotional bottom I hit an emotional bottom where I was trying to control a family member's drinking and um I couldn't obviously I was you know beside myself with worry and obsessing and just not being able to trust God to to handle it I wanted to handle it and so that's when I found some of the alternative 12-step programs and really started to then address my codependent tendencies in in my relationships and that's been amazing because it just it's like another layer it goes deeper it, it goes back to the root of what I was programmed to believe and how I was um kind of taught to behave growing up and so it's been unraveling that and kind of rewiring that and um that's where, you know, the language of letting go readings come in. And I have those as an app on my phone. So I read them from anywhere that I am. And honestly, that app, that book that comes as an app, it keeps me grounded because like I can spin off so quickly without having to take a drink. That's actually like my main focus these days. That's what I work on more in my program is, you know, like the Alanonic um, peace. There's lots of different schools of thought on this, but I kind of consider it an addiction too. It's an addiction sort of to people and to control and to, um, but that, that's my primary like focus in my own recovery these days. So I think that kind of takes us full circle. And I think I talked for like a while. (laughs) I like really, I feel kind of bad. (laughs) You're fine. You're fine. So I wanted to just touch base because um, I like to poke and prod, especially when they're sensitive, sensitive topics. Um, and because in, in many cases when we're discussing addiction, for many of us saying that we were addicted to cocaine and alcohol and the crazy shit that we did when we were out there using, like climbing up a two-floor building to climb into a boy's room and then falling and almost killing ourselves... But to go a little bit, uh, a little more delicate is these, this food addiction. Mm. So were you bulimic? No. So you weren't binging and purging? Nope. I mean, half bulimic, I guess. Like, but no, it's, it's literally called binge eating disorder. It's a separate, it's a separate eating disorder if you, if you want to label it as that. And it is, um, there was not purging. It was more of a cycle of binge and restrict. So like to make up for my binging, I guess, instead of throwing up, I would um, restrict and kind of like eat really little or mm-hmm. eat re- be really good or like, you know, not just restrict. I mean, just restrict my caloric intake. And, and that, that pretty much on its own set off another binge cycle, right? You were you were giving yourself a reward. There was like a reward system in place where, yeah. okay, so I'm going to be good for X amount of time, and now I'm going to just 
binge on whatever I want. And you, you spend all your time obsessing about being in between these two states that it's the same as the drug use because you're obsessed with it. You're obsessed with thinking about where you're at in the moment or in, in this particular cycle of, of this food addiction, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so which also disconnects us. Uh, all of this is just a matter of, of disconnecting from reality and, and disconnecting spiritually when we're right. trying to control these aspects of our lives by filling it with something else. You know, um, so, so going through all this and then you got all your, your certifications and at what point, because you've got, you're coming up on six years, how far into your recovery did you start to transition into all these different programs, um, and becoming certified in, in all these different things? I got my yoga certification in 2013. So like two years in, and okay. then my um, my coaching was 2014. So three years in, and then like right after that, I just the the other certs were were just like add-ons. So that all happened. Um, actually, I think that was 2015. The Y12SR and the um, the Reiki was last year. The Reiki has always been something that's very fascinating to me because it's energy healing. Mm-hmm. So for someone like me who's very pragmatic, and, and I know initially it was something difficult to comprehend, this whole idea of this energy healing, until someone that I was close to did it to me, and it was the most amazing experience of my life. Mm. She guided me through this area of my life. I was so jammed up. And, and the job I hated, I was super stressed out. I just was, I was overwhelmed and, and trapped and didn't know how to really how to express myself. And so we did this Reiki meditation in this house that had like a running brook next to it. It was a trip. Wow. Yeah, it was super cool. Like I was catatonic for about 20 minutes after. Like I, I could not speak and I'm not the kind of person that can't speak ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it was, it was all life altering. I, I think that all these practices that we segue into, they give us so much back because we're able to help so many through these different practices. I got so much out of that experience. So it's something that energy healing and yoga, like what you were talking about, I, I love the Y12SR, uh, a little slogan, you know, the issue is in our tissues. Mm-hmm. Because you talk about how transformative it was as much or more so than the 12-step recovery, that connection that you have with healing, uh, mm-hmm. because they, that's, that's what they both do. They, they allow you to heal through an ability to connect with something higher, a higher consciousness. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe because yoga has a lot more instructions to it, <laughs> I think there's a, a, a bigger manual, especially when you talk about the different types of yoga practices, the chakras, you know, all these different terms that, that we discuss. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Uh, do you think that that is what makes the difference between, you know, the feelings that you get as you heal through yoga than the feelings you get as you heal through 12 steps? I think that it's different because, like, 12 step is amazing and wonderful. The sense of community and the just the connection that you might be able to find with other people in the, in the rooms, but it's intellectual. 
it's just using really your mind and your spirit. But then yoga and other forms of healing like yoga are more holistic. You connect your mind, body, and your spirit. So it's more well-rounded, like you feel that mind-body connection. And I think that's what I think that's what makes the difference. That makes sense. That totally makes sense. Because I have ultimately been doing yoga more regularly and feel that, like I feel that yearning to do yoga as something that I hadn't done before. You know, it took me many years to kind of get into it. Um, I don't know what my resistance was, but once I started doing it, the connection that I get or the feelings that I get or that, that feeling of almost, it's almost like a euphoric feeling afterwards. Like doing it is, is always, for me, challenging. <laughs> getting, getting, getting into the positions is uncomfortable. And, you know, and, I, and I find myself in my head sometimes going, oh, I can't quite do this or I can't quite do that. But I keep going, right? And then once, once I finish, I feel this, you know, this, first of all, this sense of, of uh, satisfaction that I've completed, that I'm done. Like, yeah, I did it. And then, and then kind of just embracing uh, and allowing the healing to happen just by lying there, just in savasana, you know, just by allowing that that practice to to heal me. It's 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 very very therapeutic. Oh my god, I agree. I agree completely. That feeling that you thought that you talked about, that feeling afterward. I think we call that yoga brain. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like to- it's total bliss, and but you can't really think. <laughs> but that's kind of like where you want to be. I mean, that's where that's the goal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking for yoga brain, and I need it. I need it. I need to be able to disc to to disconnect. Yeah. And I think that that's that's a beautiful part of it. And um, a lot of the members that are in the private Facebook group are very much into yoga, especially the women in the group. And I've interviewed so many women that are very intense uh, yoga people, right? That they have this, the, the practice is, is synonymous with their recovery uh, doing the yoga. Um, so to me, it's, it's something that ultimately has propelled me to do so because I gather or I understand through these interviews how, how impactful it is. And it is, it is a game changer. It has, it has helped change my life. So I will continue to be doing the, the yoga practices. <laughs> We're a yogi now. I'm a yogi now. There's no going back. There's no, yes. Yeah, yeah. I get up some days and I'm like, something's not right. Oh, I need to do yoga. <laughs> Something I never thought I'd say in my life. And it's, it's pretty cool. All right. So, Sasha, let's start winding down. And the way I like to wind down is for the newcomer. So, I'm going to ask you five questions about your early recovery and I'd like you to respond with inspiring answers you can share with our newcomers. Are you ready? Ready. All right, let's do this. So initially, what was keeping you from getting clean or staying clean when you first got introduced to recovery? Um, well, I, I sort of mentioned that in the story, so that I thought I was too young to be labeled like an alcoholic, or, and I just wrote it off as being a college kid, even though I wasn't actually in college at the time because I failed out due to the cocaine addiction. So, but I just really, I was in denial and, and my excuse was that I was in phase and this is what kids my age do. Yeah. I think I was 30, I don't know, 31. And that's, I was claiming that too. (laughs) It's just a phase I'm going through. (laughs) 
just let me get through this. <laughs> just a ridiculous child. <laughs> it was rough. All right. So number two, at what point did you have a spiritual awakening? That aha moment in recovery where you accepted that you were powerless over drugs and alcohol, but for the first time had developed the hope that you could recover. Um, a year and a half into being sober, I finally stopped questioning whether I really had a problem that I really couldn't control. I just gave in. I surrendered. Um, I felt a wave of peace once I finally accepted it. Just stopping, you know, I finally just stopped fighting what I knew to be true. And, you know, the ironic thing is that as soon as I accepted my powerlessness, I felt empowered pretty amazing and it's very true mm-hmm. what's that term you surrender to win you know mm. once, once you've you, once you've surrendered and you have turned it all over you find that there's this wellspring of power that comes with that it's powerful because what you're doing is you're just surrendering to a power greater than yourself and relinquishing that ego and that ego has been driving the boat for so long that once once you allow God to take over, you know, it's like jet propulsion. Mm-hmm. So right. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a beautiful thing. Um, so real quick before we move on, what's the best way for our listeners to reach out to you? Um, my website, and they can just go to the contact page on my website, and it'll send me a direct email. So my website's Sasha P as in Paul tazi.com and i'm assuming you're on all the social media platforms oh yes yes instagram facebook twitter i don't really tweet that much but i'm on it but instagram is probably my most the the one i'm on the most and then facebook okay yeah excellent all right i'll have that listed on the show notes folks so you can just get to the show notes and click on our links to find her number three do you have a favorite book that you would recommend to our newcomers um, I recommend, it's not self-helpy, but The Alchemist. It's because it's not one that I read like in early recovery, but um, it's one of my all-time favorite books. And it it's about like following your inner compass and believing in yourself. And because recovery, the process of recovery is self-discovery, it really captures that in a beautiful way. And so I think those in recovery... And even those like considering, you know, getting clean and sober who aren't in recovery yet will find it really inspiring. I I want to read it again this summer because it just so I can get re-inspired by, <laughs> by, you know, just, you know, following your following your heart and doing what you, you know, being true to yourself, because that's what that that's what the book is about. And that's what recovery is about. And so it's just that it's a beautiful book. Have you read it? Five times. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 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 Yes, uh, our only purpose in life is to find our personal legend. Mm, Yes. Yes, you know, you know, I've recommended it various times in, in, in my life when people ask, it's one of my favorite books, and it was, it was my go-to book in early recovery a lot, that's when I read most of it. I read it, I kept reading it early on because I got so much out of it each time I read it, and if I got lost, it would always remind me that I'm right where I'm supposed to be mm. throughout this whole entire journey. 
you know, what I'm looking for is inside of me. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, all the distractions that are, that are outside in, in, the, in the world are mostly just to kind of teach me of what that is. But we all have we all have a destiny. We all have a purpose. I mean, there was a reason why we went through everything that we went through. Uh, we wouldn't be able to help the people that we help if we hadn't gone through all of this hell that was addiction. You know, our lives, you know, derailed in a massive train wreck. And then our journey into recovery, what does that look like? And how can we help others? We help it by by just sharing what we've been through. So I just, I, you know, that, that was for me. You know, me doing the podcast was my personal legend. So, I, I, yeah, I read it. I, I connect. <laughs> I love what you said. Thank you. <laughs> Which part? All of it. Okay. Just, yeah, all of it. Everything about the book. And I agree. I, yeah, it's, it's, what, it's why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah, just going through that everything's on purpose. So like nothing's in vain, right? So like all the stuff that we've been through that has been hard, all the pain and suffering, it's all part of our grand destiny. And you're right. We wouldn't be able to be having this conversation if we didn't go through those things. So it's it's not for naught. No, absolutely not. It's the adversity that breeds the greatness. Exactly. Yeah, that's where it comes from. So yes, that's one. And then, of course, this has been recommended before, but the one that you talked about in the beginning, which would be the the Melody Beattie uh, language of letting go. I think that's that's something, and that's I think that one's for women, isn't it? No, I mean not specifically. Okay, I don't know why I thought I thought it was, but uh, okay. So then that's well, I'll have that listed on the show notes as well. All right. So number four, what is the best suggestion you have ever received? Just say thank you. (laughs) No, I'm I'm serious. Can I give a little background? Of course. So this was from somebody I was, you know, I was new to the program. This was actually from my grand sponsor. She gave me a compliment on my outfit or something. And I, I started to like argue with her. I don't remember what I said exactly, but you know, I, I couldn't take a compliment because I still didn't really have much self love. And she said, just say thank you, Sasha. <laughs> and like, it really was so profound in that moment. I'll never forget it the way that it imprinted in my brain. And I, from that moment on, I would start saying thank you, even if I didn't, um, even if I wanted to argue or disagree or whatever, I would still, I would just say thank you. And now I say thank you. And I really like can receive the compliment. And, and the reason why this is relevant and a really amazing suggestion is because it was amazing to me. It it was life changing. And most of us in, I mean, those of us in addiction recovery are, um, you know, needing to like learn how to love ourselves and learn how to receive love. And so that's one of, one of the ways to practice it and being able to be humble enough and, but also confident enough to like really accept a compliment, I think is, um, it's something that recovery has taught me how to do. This was early on, like maybe within a year or two of being sober. And, you know, I was on my way to self-love, but I wasn't there yet. So yeah, it's great now. I always think about that. 
Well, I think it's very important, and it's something that so many of us, that was taught to me early on as well. You know, um, don't minimize a compliment. Don't turn away a compliment, right? If somebody, if somebody tells you, hey, you know, thank you for that, or, or, or that, that's very cool. You look very nice today. You know, don't go, ah, oh, you know, no, no, no big deal. You know, yeah. don't, don't minimize it, you know, because that's just you, you know, not showing grace, you know, being, being graceful is, a, is allowing God's grace in. And and being complimented or 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 being thanked, right, is is an act of grace, right? It's 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 an act of receiving, and by not receiving, it not only hurts you, it hurts the other person as well, right? It creates uh, discomfort to a certain degree. So it's nice. Somebody's giving. If somebody's giving, it's because they want to give, and they receive when you acknowledge. Exactly. So you're cutting off the circle of giving and receiving when you don't receive it. Yes. And you're stopping the whole process and like you're like kind of blocking life progress, essentially. <laughs> it's so important to be able to be, like you said, present. Mm-hmm. Early on, it's, you know, when we first started talking, there is that, that idea of just being present, right? And that's part of it. You know, you know, where, where am I at today and who am I at? Who am I today? Right. And, and I'm the, I'm the kind of person that can give and receive equally. That's awesome. I can dig it. I can dig it. I love it. All right. So number five, if you could give our newcomers only one suggestion, what would that be? Um, I need to say two things cause I know it says one, but, um, you can say as many as you want. Okay, because like I I don't want to say like a slogan, but this one slogan like has helped me so, so, so much. Um, More will be revealed. Yes. So that is a major suggestion um, for the newcomer to always like to to not uh, make any impulsive decisions today, like not needing to know everything, not needing to um, because, you know, by nature, I think at least for me, I've had this tendency with to, to be compulsive, impulsive. And so it's just about like holding off on some of, on some of those impulses and relaxing and, and like waiting for more to be revealed when I want to know things now or I get impatient or I don't know how something is supposed to work out or whatever. It's like really comforting to me. And it, so there's that. And then also don't be afraid to follow your own path. So I mean that in the way that like getting sober can be an alternative way to live in our culture. And so, so I mean that in that sense, like don't be afraid to do it because it's not what you see your friends doing, you know? Um, and then don't be afraid to like make your recovery yours and make it look like whatever you want it to look like as long as it works and, you know, use whatever tools you have and always be learning more. You know, the beautiful thing is that this is your life and you get to create it how you want it. And once you're recovering, you really do have the power of choice because you're not imprisoned by addiction anymore. And so you have those choices that you can make and you can make your life and your recovery and your path any way you want it to be. So just to like 
kind of reiterate the the whole message of the alchemist and all of that, you know, this is your birthright. This is your birthright to be true to yourself and to follow follow your intuition and and so just to not be afraid of that, you know, like trust yourself and don't be afraid to be different or do what works for you. Even in the recovery space and even in all the different ways that there are to recover, you know, um, modalities, you know, and I use 12 step. So I, and I'm open about that, but a lot of my clients don't, and I don't, I don't push it on them. And like, so I think it's an important distinction to make because there are so many different paths. There's one truth and the truth is like, is, is love, but there's so many different paths to recovering and you get to make it yours. So that's my, it's my last little tip there. (laughs) That's beautiful. And I really like that, you know, and I want to hone in on that, which is there are a lot of different paths, which is another reason why I have always been someone who, well, even today, uh, I'm not a religious person because uh, I believe that there is one higher power. And whatever you have, whatever you choose to call that higher power, and whatever path you choose to connect with that higher power is a personal choice. And I feel that recovery is the same way. I feel that, like you say, there all is one. There is one truth that is love, that is a higher power, connecting through 12 steps or smart recovery or yoga or you know, whatever that path may be there is a path to wholeness and and that's it's an individual journey and you have a right to it oh my god yes yes you like that huh i do <laughs> you have a right to it i love that you're like speaking alchemy to me <laughs> you know this is and it's funny because that's that's how my paulo <laughs> paulo coelho junior <laughs> <laughs> I what I love I love the mysticism and the the mysteries of of life and the universe and how it all how it interacts how, how it interacts in our lives in in the real world and in the in the spiritual realm because and that's another reason why I'm, you know my wife and I uh, have the relationship that we do because we talk the same language you know, we're not, uh, you know, one is not sitting across the table speaking in this manner, <laughs> and the other one is more of a a, a, a pragmatic sort of uh, uh, earth dweller. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's what's cool about recovery. I think most of us are in that in that spirit realm, and we can identify with it. No, next time I talk to you, you're going to be a Reiki healer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see why not. <laughs> right? <laughs> Who knows? I'll just let go and see what happens. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, wow. How cool. All right, Sasha. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, gosh. Thank you so much, Omar. It's been a pleasure and a joy. Thank you so much. I will say thank you graciously. <laughs> yes, you're welcome. <laughs> All right. Thank you. thank you, Omar. Have a good night. We have now reached the end of our show. Thanks for joining us. And as we say here in Costa Rica, 
Pura Vida. Pura Vida. Thank you for joining us on the Share Recovery Podcast. To check out the show notes page on this interview or to thank our guests for sharing their story, go to www.thesharepodcast.com. While you're on the website, don't forget to sign up for our free newsletter to stay up to date on the latest news, podcasts, and interviews. Want to be one of our guests and share your story? Then go to our website and click on the Share Your Story button. We share our inspiring recovery stories every Tuesday. So subscribe to our show on iTunes or Stitcher Radio to get your free weekly download. We'll see you then. The opinions shared on this show reflect those of the individual speaker and not of any 12-step fellowship as a whole. And though we discuss 12-step recovery and the impact it had in our lives, we do not promote or endorse any 12-step anonymous program.